Face front, true believers. This is Modular Media's No Prize Podcast, the podcast where we talk about Marvel movies, TV shows, comic books, toys, and more. I'm your host, Chris Boingo Ryder Gaston, and with me, as always, is representing the distinguished competition, the Vacuuminator. Howdy, howdy, how you doing? I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm about as good as the last time we talked. That's good. So, comic books. Comic books. That's just a running gag for any podcast we do. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. For those of you who want to know why we're we're kind of being cheeky like that, uh, maybe go listen to this week's episode of uh, Modular Media's wrestling podcast, MMWP. Held to the bells, but we got a we got an episode of television to talk about. Very very big week for the live action shiz. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the TV show, then we'll talk about the trailer, and then we'll talk about other shit. Mm-hmm. So first things first, um, by the end of this episode, we ha- it has a different name. We'll get to that. But uh, we, uh, I'm trying to remember how this thing opens, because <laughs> it's been a day or two since I watched it. I've got it up on my other monitor, so... Yeah, yeah no. Just, so uh... why don't you uh, take us through the first scene while I pull it up on my, my shiz? Uh, yeah, and because we haven't actually said it yet, we're talking about the uh, season finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, One World, One People, um, which basically opens with a brief recap of things, followed by footage basically establishing what uh, the hostage situation with the uh, the world leaders who were voting on uh, the reestablishment of borders and the reshipping of people to where they are, quote-unquote, supposed to be. Uh, post blip um and uh Carl Carly and all the other flag smashers holding them up and we see uh Bucky walking around and he meets up with Sharon uh and they're trying to figure out how they're gonna get inside and uh then they waste no time they know right what you want to see Sam Wilson flies into a window beats up some bad guys in his new suit somebody asks who are you and he just goes I'm Captain America God damn, that was the best. Because it was just like a blur of white for a bit, and then it's just like, oh shit, he looks fucking sick. Yeah, the the suit is l- like we've said this about suits in the MCU before, but this is literally right off the page. It helps that they designed the Falcon Cap suit to be kind of MCU centric. Mm-hmm. It was already um, set to be to look like that, you know. Yeah, and I definitely really liked it. Um, I have one minor complaining point about it, which is that he's got kind of a head sock thing going on, and that's from the comic. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's bad. Calm down. No, because I I have things to say because it's... What I don't like about it is that he has this armor bit coming up around the neck as well. Those two surfaces being right next to each other looks kind of weird and restrictive in like a 90s bat suit kind of way to me. I didn't get that vibe. It felt like more like the head sock was more like a protective layer against chafing on that more armored layer. I could see that. But like, dear God, they put a head sock on a character in live action and made it look good. My boy Gambit gonna look so fucking good when he gets to live action, my man. Dude, uh, like, uh, you, you... (laughs) I, I would love to do X-Men Origins Wolverine with you at some point on this show. Oh, oh God. Remember? Okay. Because <laughs> I just, that's the first thing I thought of when you said Gambit for some reason. Yeah. Remember when that movie came out and like the, 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 the assembly cut was 
leaked and pirated everywhere. I don't think I was on the, I wasn't on the internet back then. I didn't have like half in CGI. It wasn't complete. Wow. That's the only way I've ever watched that movie. I have never seen the finished movie. I've yeah. only seen the See, movie cut. I caught it on DVD like a year later. Yeah, no. But dear God. the One of the things that people go like, oh, that's a dumb look in comics. They made look fucking great. And I love that. Yeah. It's, it's really head- cool how the over the years, the MCU has just eased people more and more into like the sillier aspects of... Uh, comic design like um and it all goes right back to uh freaking avengers one with loki having his giant ass horns right there in the movie yeah or no that debuted in the first four movie i just remember yeah because it was high fantasy it could be anything but like no the head sock the whole vibe it was it was straight off the page it was great also because people have been posting uh the of the original first time you saw it in the comic it looks off because he doesn't have Anthony Mackie's goatee there. It looks so good with the goatee. I mean, that's the thing with the suit is like, it took me a minute to get used to it around the face area. And I thought it was the whole head sock against the armor thing. But maybe for other people, it was the goatee. Because, oh boy, it, it just looked great. And I loved how everybody was just like, yep, yep, you're captain. Mm-hmm. Even freaking Jonathan Walkington. Was just kind of like, yeah, I guess I'm. My, this is my last mission as Cap. Okay, we'll get um, we'll get to that more. But like, I get the feeling there's a lot of people that are going to be upset about the way that resolved. I liked it. Here's the thing, a lot like the way everything kind of wrapped up. I feel like was completely right and justified. And I saw some people going like, "What the fuck is going on with this?" It was like weird. I mean. The thing about this finale overall for me is this has a very similar vibe to the WandaVision finale of Mm -hmm. it's kind of just a giant Marvel third act smash fest, but there's enough little like epilogues and payoffs to things that we've been playing with throughout this entire show. And I've been way more into this show from an ideas perspective than I was WandaVision Mm -hmm. that I felt really fulfilled by this finale for the end of it. Like there were points where I was a little like just kind of like, yeah, let's just get through this action scene. But there were some really good character bits uh, that that I really enjoyed to the point of where um, there's there's a scene in this that got me a little choked up. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, because for most of, most of this episode, it was kind of like um, a chase. It was hostage and heist and all this kind of shit, and just kind of like trying to figure out where everyone is. Mm-hmm. And like, I love the scene with Carly and Bucky, and Bucky's just going like. I've been here. I've done this shit. You don't want to do this. This is your final warning. Fuck you, dad. Fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. This is your final warning. And it's like, "Mm." oh, man, it is good. It's good. And then, like, all the things just going wrong immediately because they're not they're not a a full unit yet. So, Mm -hmm. like, we're trying to we're trying to figure stuff out on the fly. So Bucky goes like. So Sharon goes like, oh, shit, they, the helicopter is leaving. Bucky, can you do it? Uh, kind of can't fly. Mm-hmm. And Falcon goes like, all right, I'll wrap up here and then head out. And this was basically... By the way, I love how he's, like, getting his ass kicked by Batroc during that whole fight in the boardroom. Like, he, never... He, he never really gets in a good lick on Batroc. And, and that's a really good way to establish, like, yeah, Sam's a capable fighter, but he doesn't have super strength. Yeah, no. 
That's why he has to use the jetpack and the wings so much, which they showcased off brilliantly in this whole thing. Yeah, and, and I really enjoyed that too because I, I was recently listening to a podcast on the first episode of the show – um, and they were talking about like, yeah, they're they're gonna probably make him be Captain America and have him do a lot with the shield now because there's only so much mileage you can get out of him expanding the wings as a way of punching guys. Yeah, here's the thing: you do both, and you get a lot more mileage out of everything. Yeah, it it feels more like an upgrade. You're adding to the arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have a little helicopter helicopter chase fight scene. Very much like the first episode, which was just all around great. Yeah, it felt like a good iteration on that. Kind of took me back to that uh, mid-air hostage rescue from Iron Man 3. I also love... Okay, I don't like it because fuck facial recognition software being used without consent. But like, Sam Sam going like, alright, cool, we have a pilot in there. Hey, I'm gonna do this thing. You need to pick up the thing. You need to grab the controls. You cool? Yeah, I'm cool. It's a really good example of him working as Captain America and showing what kind of Captain America he is kind of compared to Steve a little bit. Because Steve was Steve was a leader. He was he was very much a hearts and minds kind of guy. But Sam's much more personal. He, he he's much more like cause because when we first meet him, he's doing therapy for veterans. Um, kind of like group therapy, and and here he very much does that kind of thing of like, okay, I know this is scary, but we're in this together, and we need to have good timing. Can I trust you? And the lady's like, yeah, okay, and it goes where, off really well. And where Steve would have been like, hey, I, I'm Captain America, I need your help, mm-hmm. and he would have inspired her through like, oh, Cap needs me. Where this was, you need to help others, mm-hmm. which is what. Ultimately, I think they're kind of going as like, um, Steve was a figurehead, whereas Sam is a man of the people. Yeah, that, that that kind of vibe. And all the while, Bucky is chasing the two armored trucks that have all the other senators and and, and parliamentary people on the council. We we kind of skipped over something though, because Sharon is left to deal with the big hoss. Um, <laughs> that's. <laughs> Literally, when he started walking away like he was going to go fight someone, I was just kind of chanting, big hoss, big hoss, big hoss. But he goes and he gets in an armored truck, and I'm like, okay, where is he going to go? And then Sharon just walks up and tosses, like, a grenade in his truck. Or no, she bumps into him and, like, slips a grenade underneath his bulletproof vest. And I'm like, that's kind of brutal, but okay. And then it goes off after he gets in the armored truck, and it melts his fucking face. And I was like... Okay, Marvel movies are kind of casual with just beating the shit out of bad guys, but that was brutal even by this series standards. What the fuck, Sharon? Well, it makes sense. Good good way of seeding something we get later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bucky's chasing the armored truck vehicles. They they're at a like they're at a random New York crossway Mm -hmm. four-way lane, and it's just like, okay. They're going to have to fight. Everything's going to shit. And then uh, John Walker shows up with his uh, new uh, um, Dollar Tree shield. Yeah, and it gets dinged to fucking back. It, it, was, it was really good. Like, I, I legitimately enjoyed all the stuff John Walker did, with, uh, did in this episode. Because they could have had it go one way. They could have had it be like, John Walker comes out, 
takes out all all the flag smashers and now suddenly he's the big bad but it's more so like he's here because he has a vendetta he feels he has to avenge lamar and kind of like get his name back into good graces of the u.s government by taking out these people and he gets his ass handed to them gets his ass handed to him and he has to turn around and start working more as a team with bucky and sam the way he wanted to in the first place but because he's not trying to be Mr. Big Swinging Dick anymore, he kind of gets humbled here. It works. Yeah, and he also learns the lesson of being Cap. Cap isn't about taking down the bad guys. Cap is about saving people. Mm-hmm. And, and like, though he fails, he tries his hardest. And, like, that is commendable. Yeah, because the whole the whole show, it's been centering around the shield. The shield is... The shield is the artifact. The shield is the thing everybody wants. And like he he was given it. He covets it. That's why he makes his own shield. But at the end, in the end of the episode, there's a moment where one of the armored trucks, which still has hostages inside of it, is going to go off and crash into a construction site. And he drops his shield to try and hold the armored truck and stop it from going in. Um, Really, really cool moment of character developments. Um, And also, before we get too far away from it, I just want to say there's a really cool moment during the fight with the Flag Smashers where, like, Carly runs him into some New York scaffolding. I've never seen New York scaffolding be used in a fight like that to kind of, like, make it clear how disorienting the fight is. That was a really cool filmmaking touch. Oh, yeah, it was really good. I also enjoyed seeing uh, the the Medal of Honor on the back of the shield. It's kind of like a reminder of, like, it wasn't so much of, like, a disillusionment. It was like, no, this is what I'm fighting for. He's which trying to different... hold himself to the mark. Yeah, which to an individual characteristic standpoint of John Walker is kind of admirable. Is like, okay, cool. He's he's trying to find the thing he wants to fight for. But then you remember, oh yeah, that's the military industrial complex and nationalism. Oh no, Johnny boy. Which which makes it all the more important when he drops the shield to help people. John yep. Walker in this episode learns the lesson that Sam learned last episode of America isn't a bunch of figureheads and symbols and all kinds of bullshit. It's people. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing about, I think this John Walker is, is he understands that he can internalize it, but he's still trying to chase that ideal of heroism. Mm -hmm. He still wants, he still wants to have a good legacy and be remembered well. And in striving for that, he keeps making missteps. And I think that's going to be his character arc going forward, especially with what we get towards the end of the episode. But we'll go into that when we go into it. Oh, very much so. Um, But let's, let's continue scrubbing through, scrubbing through the Disney plus player here. We have, uh, we have the fight scene. We have the helicopter bit. Also, no, uh, no uh, kid Falcon coming in, helping out. Yeah, that was surprising. He's he's only briefly shown later on in this episode. Um, but uh, the boys all meet up at the construction site as the Flag Smashers have run into the underground. And I really oh, no, no. like... Before that, though, the, the John Walker fails in getting the car up. He tries, and it, he, he stalls it for a bit. Everybody's on the floor. Everybody's beaten down. And the truck is about to fall on everybody. And then it just stops. And you look up, and you see this bright light of a man bathed in white with wings like an angel pushing this truck up slowly and surely saving all these people and everyone's looking up like 
in all of this, man. Like, Jesus Christ. Metaphor. That's, that's Black Falcon. God Okay, here's the thing. That moment that was line... so fucking corny, but I was fine with it because it establishes people now know he's Captain America. It was so corny, but dear God, sometimes you just need that cheat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it is cheesy and acknowledging. It's just like, yeah, we're going to fucking do the thing. He's yeah, Captain it was... It was his 20 solid minutes of po-serious face, and then here's your comic relief. It's kind of like Tony Stank at the end of Civil War. Yeah, but it, but it was also just like a... It was just like, hey, let us have this one moment where someone gets to be excited at Sam being captain. Like, mm-hmm. we all know how it's important. Let's just have this one moment where we get to go like, this is important. Let's have the world acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, and, and another little thing I like about that scene, he has two red wings now. He's gone He's gone from being just the regular sound wave with the pack-in buzzsaw to now, now you, bought your, you bought your second set of cassette bots. He's got buzzsaw and laser beak. When are we getting Ravage? Maybe. No, you know what that is? That's a reference to uh, Cap. That's a reference to Steve because he had two sidekicks. He had two partners. He Yay. had Bucky. And Sam. Yeah. And now and now Sam's got Bucky and John. Because they oh, all meet God. up. They all meet up. And and I love how there's not a question. There's not a moment of like, hey, I'm Captain America. What are you doing? Man, I'm just trying here. I'm just trying to thing. Can we just be nice? I love how there's not that moment. It's just, okay, we all know what's important. Let's go get the flag smashers. And like here's the best part. They still try and talk them down. All mm-hmm. three of them. Yeah. Like, they go like, no, your methods are bullshit, and you need to be put in, like, you need to recognize that. But what you're fighting for, we agree. Can we just calm the fuck down? Mm-hmm. But Bucky and John end up splitting off and going off, going after most of the Flag Smashers, while Sam continues after uh, Carly and Batrock. But before Sam can get to them, uh, Carly and Batrock, meet up with Sharon and this is where we find out that in this universe Sharon Carter is the power broker I I okay here's the thing in the comics in the comics Sharon is just a less shady version of Black Widow she's just a shield agent she's just yeah. a She's just a love interest for Steve. She's the fucking, she's the Commander Cody of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, she's just there. She's fine. (laughs) People can enjoy her character, and it can be a good character. It can be well-written. But there's nothing, there's no spice. But for the most part, she's just Steve's number two. Yeah. But dear God, making her this vindictive, almost, the best way I can think of it, she's an ex-lover to the U.S. Army. Yeah. And they fucking... Oh, they set it up so good throughout this show, just seeding like her discontent and her having connections in Madripoor, and then, and then that scene where she was on the phone last week, and then the thing with her killing the Haas this week. Oh, it it feels like a better version of the Shield being Hydra. Oh, and dude, think about it earlier the season where like Sam is going like, oh no, we can I can get you a pardon, and she's going like, no, you can't. She's fucking doing. Uh, reverse psychology. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you can't. I'm stuck here. Oh, poor me. And Sam just um, goes like, no, I'm full hero mode. I'm going to get you back home. And she's, she's going like, like, 
Sweet. That's a that's a plan. No, don't that do that. Happens, that would be terrible. Don't stop. Come back. That's like that's like all right, cool. There's a pin in that plan. Sweet. If I can get if I can execute it, great. If I can't, whatever. It would I it no skin off my teeth. And like just to jump to the end credit scene, because there's a there's a mid-credit scene this week. Just to jump to that for a split second. They've already confirmed Captain America 4 is in development with Sam as the lead, and it's being written by the same two writers that helmed this show. Make Sharon the main villain of that movie. Do it. Do Ooh, that'd it. Be fun. Uh, that'd be fun. I've also seen another theory that it w- uh, Sharon would relate to a different Disney Plus show. We'll get to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, we're in, the, we're, in this, we're in this sewer, which I love how this final act took place in the underbelly of America. Hmm. I didn't think about that. That's, that's, ooh, that's smart. Um, but before we get into the actual final confrontations, um, Batrock shows up and he, he was hired by the power broker to keep an eye on Carly, but he didn't know Sharon was the power broker. So he finds it out and he basically pulls a gun on Carly and goes, I know you need her. You're going to triple my pay or I'm killing her. Four and times tell- pay. You're gonna you're you're gonna you're gonna fourth tuple my pay, or I'm gonna kill her, and I'm gonna tell the whole world who you are. And so Sharon just shoots Batrock, and I'll admit initially I was really pissed off about that because I, I I I want my Gwenpool Disney Plus show where Batrock is the mentor. Okay, I just want that, and now I'm not gonna get it. I just want Bat. I want Bat. I love Batrock. He's one of my favorite like D-list baddies. Mm-hmm. But it makes it makes sense to bring him back here and then tie off him with a, a little bow of dead. Yeah, I'm okay with that, especially because they are bringing in like better mook heavy hitters like Taskmaster, Death Dealer. God, I hope Taskmaster isn't dead by the end of Black Widow. That'd be oh, really stupid. That would be really stupid. I can understand killing off like big, like the main baddie. Don't kill mm-hmm. off the mooks. No, put put Taskmaster on the raft. Put Taskmaster on the raft. Also because, okay, here's the thing. I just realized this. We have uh, Contessa making her own team and shit. And now we have Sharon Carter. What if we're not getting Young Avengers versus Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts? What if we're getting Young Avengers versus Thunderbolts versus Dark Avengers? We're getting all three of them. Triple match, let's go! Oh, and like the Thunderbolts are like dark and gritty and they're going and like it's no we gotta kill them oh we're po-faced and sad dark oh. avengers are all evil and the young avengers are going like no we're youthful and optimistic yeah like oh that's how you should do it is it's youthful optimism versus it's it's the youthful optimism of gen z versus the depressed nihilism of millennials, that's the Thunderbolts, and the cynical, cackling evilness of boomers in the Dark Avengers. Goddamn. And I just want, like, because ultimately, what I see happening is, like, US agent, like, should a US agent be on the Dark Avengers or the Thunderbolts? Because honestly, Thunderbolts, he's on the, he's on the, yeah. Zemo's on the Thunderbolts, uh, Thunderbolt Ross is on the Thunderbolts. Oh, dude. Shocker's not dead in this universe. Shocker exists yeah. in this universe. He was in Homecoming. Fuck Sinister Six. Shocker is a day one member of the Thunderbolts from the comics. Put him on the Thunderbolts. 
oh man, there's so much there's so much shit you can do with that that'd be fascinating and interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't know if this is where Feige's heading in. If We're this just is... purely conjecture, purely theorizing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd be it'd be fun. But we have a, a we have a full Mexican standoff with Sharon, the power broker, Carly, and Batrock. And like this scene is just fantastic because ultimately what this scene is is the idealism of a united world working together being corrupted and abused by a person who's only in for profit and greed metaphor mm. Here's, we'll get into that in a bit because there's a thing that i've been seeing from certain circles it's just like come on come on guys uh but ultimately it goes south, and Sharon gets shot. She shoots Batroc. Batroc is he fall? They never say Batroc is dead. He no, falls down, and that's the last we ever see of him. So, for all we know, he's carted off to a hospital after this. But a, right now, he's as dead as Claw. Yeah, he's as dead as Claw. He's as dead as I was going to think of another example, but I couldn't. Um, fuck it. Uh, you you know what it reminded me of? Another Black Panther example, it reminded me of just the way they portrayed the death, because he just gets shot and falls over and you don't really see anything. You don't see the wound. It reminded me of that scene in uh, Black Panther uh, during the third act where someone has one of like the Dormelage like, with a knife to her throat and all the other Dormelage are like, don't kill her, don't kill her. And then they kill her and she just falls over when like her throat should be spewing blood. That's yeah. what that reminded me of. Yeah. But uh eventually Carly runs away from the scene. Uh no, she shot too. She shot, she's hurt. Yeah, she shoots uh she gets shot, but because she's a super soldier, she's able to handle it more. And she shoots Sharon in the abdomen. And for the rest of the episode, Sharon's holding her abdomen. Right. And Sam comes onto the scene and is like, oh shit. Oh shit. This is bad. And uh because Carly is hurt. She's not thinking straight. She can't immediately go, the power broker killed me. And, and she's that. just pissed off. She just starts attacking Sam. And Sam goes, I'm not going to fight you. And he oh. keeps using his wings and he keeps using the shield. He's using the shield as a fucking shield. Dear God, that scene, there's so much you could be. Okay, there's so much metaphor you can get out of that because it's like the youth, it's like youthful and radical people trying to change the world for the better. And Sam isn't representing the U.S. government. He's not representing the state. He's representing people who go like, yeah, but maybe you shouldn't blow up shit. Mm-hmm. Basically going, you're you're not you're right, you're not wrong, but you're wrong. Please Let's stop. think about this for a second. Let's talk about this like grown adults. And it's it's that rage just fueling uh, uh fueling this. It's the idea that rage fuels this kind of change, but rage also is a poison, and you need to be vigilant of that. Mm -hmm. But eventually she has Sam on the ropes and Sharon Carter, bang, 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 bang. Fucking shoots Carly dead. And (sighs) Sam, Sam grabs her, cradles her in his arms and is basically just there for her in her final moments. And Sharon, and, and Sharon still playing the face just goes like, sorry, I didn't see another way. And Sam and Sam's like reluctantly going like, yeah, I I know, I know. And like, that's the thing people have been. At, and then we have this beautiful scene of well, everybody. No, not- first, uh, while oh, yeah, this yeah. is going on, 
uh, Bucky and John just use the app to trick the, the, the other Flag Smashers into getting cornered by the cops and having to surrender. That was great. <laughs> also, it's just great that John Walker was in on that plan. It's like, yeah, no. Let's let's take care of this nonviolently. And the fucking hundred and nine year old guy just pulling out his cell phone and going, "It's a great app." I fucking love that. It's so good. And John Walker being a cheesy ass attempt at being Captain America, quoting fucking Lincoln. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "It's a great quote," and I'm like, and like at the same time as Bucky, I went, "Yeah, but not coming from you." <laughs> so good. Such a it, because. It, it takes care of the problem, but it also shows what this new cap is kind of going to be leading by example. It's non-lethal. Mm-hmm. He's like this whole group, this team is going to try and solve problems with with like ideas, not this. Yeah. Because um, for like for lack of a better way of describing it, Steve is very reactionary. Steve was very reactionary as a superhero. Yeah, bad things happen. We come in, we help. Sam and Bucky now seem to be more pre- proactive of less of less we're going to patrol every night and stop all the crime. It's much more of like there are systemic problems and we are going to use our position as superheroes to point them out and basically scare the people who would benefit from it from not benefiting from it. Nothing bad happens. We respond, we stop it and then we look at everybody and go, "Here's why this happened." Don't let it happen again. And that's the next scene that we get. And uh, why, why don't you go ahead and describe this? Because I think you could do it better than I could. The crowd is around. All the all the politicians are out there. They're discussing. The cameras are there. And they're going like, this is why we need the bill. This is why we're doing it. Doing their politicians shit. shit trying to get their shit in. And then you hear a, a, a whir of a jet engine slowly descending as Sam, like a motherfucking angel, descends. Like- Fucking like the the most lo- Superman vibes I have gotten from a live action thing since the fucking first Christopher Reeve film. Genuinely, this is the best Superman movie in years. <laughs> and like people have said that about every MCU Captain America thing. Isn't that great? Isn't that isn't that doesn't make, doesn't that make you feel great and not like you're dead on the inside a little bit? God damn, I never want to let Kevin Feige go. But goddamn, if 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 I could guarantee that the Marvel movies stay at consistent quality at the way they are, I would I would want Kevin Feige to go to UDC guys to give you the movies you fucking deserve. I mean, at this point, with how out of hand the Snyder shit has gotten and the people who are in support of it, do we really even deserve that? No, but goddamn, imagine the vibes of All-Star Superman. On- I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it. I'm wrapping that thought up. I'm holding on to it. I'm putting it away. Like, you don't even gonna- have to. You don't even have to adapt all of All-Star Superman. All you have to adapt is the one scene with the goth girl. I mean, just like Zemo, I now have I now have a little... Or, no, not Zemo, Pietro. I have a little picture, and I'm going to take it out and look at it every once in a while. Ah, oh, man. But Sam descends with this girl who is both perpetrator and victim of a world that does not understand. And he basically goes like, motherfuckers, this is all our fault. We bro- we pushed her through this. We pushed the- her. We pushed her, and then she pushed back, and so we pushed harder. And and the senator who has who has been featured in this the whole way through is they're talking to Sam while this is airing live on the news. Um, going like, well, you just don't understand. You you just this is, these ideas are too big for you. And Sam's like, yeah, I know. 
it's not my job. It's your fucking job, and you're not doing your job right. He says what everybody wants to say to any dumb politician. Mm-hmm. And, like, the guy goes, like, oh, no, this is bigger than you think. And he just looks him dead in the eye. Bitch, I fought Thanos. Mm-hmm. I'm a black man in America. What the fuck do you think? I don't understand big ideas. I'm I'm walking around wearing the stars and stripes right now, and the speech goes on. It's maybe a tad bit overwritten, but like it gets to a point where Sam Sam says, like, I don't have any real power. I'm not I'm not an agent of you guys anymore. I'm Captain America acting on my own. The only power I have is that I believe we need to do what is right. We need to reach out to people and do our best. And you aren't doing that and you need to be. And with the state the world has been in um, for like the last four or five years, hearing a superhero actually come out and say that, it really got to me. And I had to pause the episode and, uh, and, uh, and let out a few man tears for a second there. Goddamn. That's the thing. That's what superheroes should be. They should be fictionalized versions of the best of them. Mm-hmm. You know? And and the best part about this sequence is, as it's going on, it keeps cutting away from Sam. Like, Sam, there's some good close-ups on Sam in this, but it keeps cutting away and showing that the world is watching. Okay, here's the news feed. Here's the news cameras. Here's Bucky watching. Here's John watching. And they're nodding along. And now, here's fucking... Isaiah Bradley watching and nodding along. Uh, here's here's fucking Baby Falcon watching and nodding along. Here's his here's his sister watching and nodding along. Here's every character that's been in this show gets a shot of them watching and nodding along. This is this is that season finale moment of something that impacts the entire world. So we bring back every little character. God damn to see the see the actual pride at how wrong he was about a black man being captain, Isaiah Bradley just brought that, man. Mm-hmm. I was just like, fuck, I was wrong, and I'm glad I'm wrong. It's so good. Good shit. It's good shit. Yeah. And fucking Baby Falcon, Taurus, Taurus is his name. I just, that shot just came up on my monitor. I love the look on his face, because he's just like, I'm so proud of my senpai. Goddamn. <laughs> you know damn well the next the Captain America movie is going to start with Sam mid-mission, and then you just see this green blur. Yeah. That. I went, no, green blur. Comes in. On your left. Mm. Call um. back that uh, idea. But basically, Sam goes like, hey, this is a complicated situation. But because it's complicated, you need to take everything into consideration and you haven't Mm. i'm not saying that you have to do what they want i'm saying that you need to listen and everybody needs to compromise everybody needs to have a say in something that affects everybody and i saw some people i i i haven't seen people saying this but i got the feeling from this of like there's going to be a backlash to this. There's going to be a certain sect of fans that are going to go like, oh, this superhero thing got way too political at the end of it and it ruined it. This isn't getting political. Sam never takes a side. He just says, when we're when you're dealing with shit like this, you have to deal with it. And that's not being political. That's just stating common fucking sense. Here's the thing about politics that don't people don't understand. Politics is everything. And I don't mean that as like, oh, there's politics and everything. Oh, Winnie the Pooh is a commentary on monarchism. No. Politics 
is the interaction between people. This podcast is politics because it's me and you having a conversation, knowing when it's our turn, knowing when to talk. It's an unspoken set of rules that we all agree on. That's politics. Politics is also understanding that resources need to go to certain places and do all that kind of stuff. That's also politics. And this show is basically just going like, yeah, no, this is political because it's inherently about people. And yes, this is a weird, fantastical situation that's not super applicable to the real world. The the most applicable thing that could be uh, uh, put to this world is uh, the fabricated idea of illegal immigration. Yeah, it's a fuck. Like it's a commentary on the Syri- I can see it as a commentary on the Syrian refugee crisis from a few years ago. That's technically still ongoing. But like, but that's the idea. But that's the thing. Illegal immigration is a bullshit idea. People should be allowed to exist wherever. Yada yada. And this is basically saying like, yeah, no, these people have a right to exist. We shouldn't be treating them like shit. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and. I just I love this scene and I love the fallout from it because Sam Sam does his mic drop and the sen- and the senators are kind of like shit yeah you're right I guess we'll try and he walks away and Bucky just immediately like pats him on the back and goes good job Cap God damn that that is just fucking great Bucky just acknowledging yep he picked right mm-hmm. it took him a and- bit but he's there. And they go and catch up with Sharon, and Bucky's just basically like, you're going to a fucking hospital. Let's go. Um, and then a w- what I'm going to assume is like a Secret Service agent type guy, maybe an FBI agent. He just goes, hey, Cap. Nice little mm, government's acknowledging him. Um, and Sam walks back over. Yeah, we uh, you kind of missed the Flag Smasher. You just kind of dropped him in the Hudson River, but we've got eyes on him. You want to go? You want to go do that? And he's like... Sure, why not? God damn, that's the most Superman scene in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's a gen- just a gentle acknowledgement of like, yeah, let's go help the bad guy. Like, the line is literally, so we got eyes on the last Flag Smasher that fell into the Hudson. He's hurt but not down. Can you help out? And Sam just says, always. And then the subtitle goes, thrilling instrumental music playing. But like, As he g- takes off. Genuinely, that's just a super, that's a super Superman kind of uh, moment. Mm-hmm. Uh... uh and then after that, we cut all over to the Flag Smashers who were caught via app, and they get loaded into an armored car to be taken to the raft. And as the door is closing, the the uh, soldier that's closing the door just says, one world, one people. You're fine. We're going to get you out of this. Don't worry. And the Flag Smashers smile knowingly. And then as they start driving away, the carter in explodes. And we cut over, and Zemo's butler is sitting right there with a thing in his arm just mm, mm. zemo's in prison but he's still making sure that everybody knows superheroes are bullshit but here's the thing here's the thing about zemo he's consistent Mm -hmm. it's it's not that superheroes are bullshit it's that putting people on a pedestal as if they're perfect is bullshit Mm -hmm. because he was like no sam was uh steve was a good guy he never tried to act like he was on a pedestal. He never tried to act like he was better than other people. I acknowledge that Steve is good. And he like he kind of acknowledged Sam during some of their conversations. Like, nah. Would you take the super soldier serum? No. All right, cool. I can I can I can vibe with you. He vibed with Bucky because Bucky never asked for it. Bucky was abused with it. And he was like, no, you're trying to be a good man despite of it. You're good. I, I can vibe with you. 
I mean, I, he apologized to Bucky for for using him as an instrument of his plan on multiple occasions. Yeah, Zemo is consistent. He's a dick. He's evil. He's a rich asshole, but he's consistent. <laughs> and honestly, those are the best bad guys. It's not the bad guys that are like, haha, I'm evil and cackling. It's the ones that are like, no, I have a set set of morals and ethics that are like slightly askew of everyone else, but I am consistent with them. I mean, Dr. Doom is kind of the same way. Like, fuck you, Reed. You're wrong. I'm right. Uh, also, nobody fuck with my country. Nobody fuck with my country. And honestly, if I ruled everything, everything would be better. But I'm not going to force it because that, that'd just be... That'd be evil, wouldn't it? <laughs> also, he does force it, and things do get better, but he does it through mind control, and everybody was like, God, dude, Doom, this isn't cool, and he's like, fuck you. You're right, but fuck you. <laughs> uh, Emperor Doom, that's the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but after that, we, uh, we cut back to uh, the uh, what I think is supposed to be the U.S. Capitol. It's, it's the scene where they did the hearing in the last episode yeah, yeah, because yeah. they just had that set. Um, yeah. Uh, and Valentina and John Walker's wife are hanging out, um, and they're they're having a little bit of banter back and forth. And you can tell John Walker's wife is still a little uncomfortable around Valentina, but she's warming up to her. And they're Got waiting it. for John Walker. Mm-hmm. And eventually they get him to come out. And he's wearing a new costume, which is just his first costume. But with the colors flipped, and you didn't notice it until now, but it's a, it's it's literally just U.S. agent. It's and just U.S. She, agent. It's black, and she, it's white, it's red. It's so good. And she goes, yeah, things are going to get a little weird um, going forward. Not that they haven't already, but that that's the thing with the Marvel Universe is people always go, oh, the world is changing. Things are getting weird. That's, we constantly need to remind everyone of that. I um, just want someone at one point to just say... Man, we're living in the world of Marvels. Hell yeah. Um, and frickin' uh, she she perfectly puts it down. Like, I usually hate the whole cutesy saying the name offhandedly as a joke thing. But this time it really worked. Um, w- where she goes, we're not going to need a Captain America, but we'll need a U.S. agent. Because and John goes, U.S. agent, I like that. Yeah, because that's the thing. It was her going, here is the validation you want. Here is the title you desire without the weight on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And John Walker, like the light in his eye just goes like, I can be U.S. agent. But I would really love it if in Captain America 4, him, Sam, and Bucky are just a team for that murderer as a sidekick. And, and, and Sam the is just like, were leaked. Well, you, so you saw what she, the, the, the shield things were like come yeah, on yeah but also i would just love a moment where they're like trying to intimidate a guy and then john walker just walks up and goes like don't you know who this guy is he's captain fucking america and i'm u.s agent who's u.s agent oh <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great as like their one f-bomb that movie yeah but most of this end of the episode is just wrap up, kind of giving us the emotional conclusion. Zemo's in the raft, and he hears the announcement, oh, yeah, the super soldiers all died. And he's like, good. Now I can start on my next plan and rest. We have the U.S. agent bit. But then we have Bucky going to his Japanese old man friend and just saying, I, I need to tell you. Mm. I need I need." Like, I'm of two minds about this scene. Like, obviously it had to happen. They set it up. 
but I'm a little irritated we didn't get more time with Bucky and the girl in the show. I don't know where you would have worked it in, but as this scene was playing out, I kind of like low-key remembered, oh yeah, we we looked at IMDb on when we were doing the first episode of this show, and we saw she was listed for all the other episodes, and we were excited to see more scenes with them. Now we're probably not going to get that, and that's okay. We still got the proper payoff to that plot line. And it still had its proper emotional impact. And it, and it feels appropriate because it wasn't Sam going, it wasn't Bucky saying like, yeah, I did those like, but that was me. I was brainwashed. He was going like, yeah, no, I couldn't control it, but I still did it. I, I hurt you. I don't deserve to be in your life. Mm-hmm. Even and I though like I- we never get the old man's response. Like we see his face for a second, but we never hear him say, I forgive you or get the fuck out. That's left up to the viewer's interpretation. And it's also just like, it doesn't matter what it would be. For Bucky, this is the end. I don't deserve to be with, uh, I don't deserve to be friends with this guy because I hurt him. It's that it's that acknowledgement of wrongdoing that I think that it's important for Bucky. In this. Mm-hmm. But also, he doesn't have to fake being friends with people. He's actually friends with Sam now. Yeah, even though they'll never acknowledge it properly. Yeah. But uh, the the cute moment where Bucky basically lets go of his lingering attachments to Steve by giving the book to the therapist, saying, Mm -hmm. I I did all the names. Thank you for all your help. Like, acknowledging, like, yeah, you did help me. I needed Sam to push me through it, but you did help. Thank you. Which is maybe a little, little weird, because, like, therapy isn't something that you just end. Like, you can stop doing therapy, but... People who need therapy, it's a process. It's an in-and-out kind of thing. Um, But but for the sake of telling a story, it's a good bow on that plot line. And nothing says that uh, Bucky couldn't get another therapist. Uh, I I would always suggest a guy named uh, Dr. Sampson. Yeah, yeah, he's a good fellow. (laughs) He's a little bit green, though. Mm -hmm. Do you get the joke? Yeah. Yeah. I know he's not that kind of a doctor, but I would like another, I would, I would like, um, once we get to a, a certain excommunicated group of people, maybe have him go to a certain, uh, a blue fellow for help. Ooh. Mm. And or, he's just uh, quoting all kinds of literature at him and Bucky's like, I don't understand a word you're saying. You're no help at all. Oh man. I'd rather talk to the other blue guy. He'll talk to me about Jesus a lot, but like, at least I'll understand that. <laughs> No, Bucky was, I think Bucky's still canonically a Christian. Like, they, they talked about coming back from Sunday Mass in uh, one of the flashbacks. No, but I was just more like saying, like, Nightcrawler is very Catholic. Yeah. The only other person I'd say is more Catholic than Nightcrawler in the Marvel mu- Universe is, like, Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt-, Matt-, Matt Murdock is a punished Catholic. Nightcrawler's an enthusiastic Catholic. <laughs> um but fucking yeah that would actually be an i don't know if that's ever happened in comics but that would be an interesting character interaction because i get the feeling that like sam is a christian or not sam bucky is a christian but he's he's a fair weather christian yeah but um oh speaking of nightcrawler we'll get to that later Mm -hmm. but uh Uh, we do cut to uh what's the city i can't remember not brooklyn starts with a b austin no, it's not Boston. No, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. Good uh, morning, Baltimore. 
But uh, he knocks on Isaiah Bradley's house, the grandkids there, and goes like, oh, hey, what's up? He's out mm-hmm. back. And Sam goes up and he goes like, and Isaiah, and I love this Isaiah, you know, mm-hmm. where he's just giving Sam shit. But he's like, you know what? You did good, kid, but I'm still going to give you shit. It's it's Sam's version of Mr. Miyagi. It, it's 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 a person Sam needs in his superhero life now to kind of not necessarily keep him grounded, but to kind of keep him in. It's uh, sorry, nobody got an audio cue for that for listeners. We're, we're share where we have our cameras on and yeah. I was waving my hand. It's Sam's version of the general from the first Captain America movie played by um, Tommy Lee Jones. That's it. It's that little bit of cynicism that these optimistic heroes need. Keep in them order grounded. To keep them grounded. That's what Tony was for uh, Steve. All that. Yeah. Time. It was that little bit of cynicism to go like, hey, Cap, I know you're trying your best, but people are shit. Remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. people are shit, but I think they can be better. Right. Yeah. Just remember, most of them are shit. Yeah. Another, another little thing. And I love how this this whole podcast is like half us just plotting out Captain America four for Marvel, <laughs> but like there's got to be a moment in that movie, like pre third act, where where Sam's like f- doubting himself a little, and so he just goes back to um, Isaiah for one scene just to have a conversation about what's going on in that movie. I would love for there to be like a fight scene that breaks out there, and st- and Sam's just going like. Get out of the way. I'll protect you guys. And he throws the shield. And once, just Isaiah grabs it and goes like, nah, man, I'm helping you out. That would be great. And he just looks, and he just kind of goes like, man, I always wanted to throw that. It is satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like the, the moment with Harrison Ford in Force Awakens where he shoots <laughs> the bowcaster. I like this thing. Oh, uh, man, that'd be great. But like, I love how he's also like just gardening, but he's picking up giant hundred pound fucking tr- like saplings, like it's mm-hmm. nothing. That that's another thing I should say about this episode. During like the early fight scene, there was some goofy sound effect choices, I would say. But in this, in that scene, the sound design was so on point because it's very clear, like very well painted styrofoam plants that the actor is picking up, but the sound design I didn't even think about it until after the episode. Yeah, no, it was just a really good way of someone like this guy is a super soldier, mm-hmm. but, but Sam he's a retired super soldier. Yeah, <laughs> and he's a, he's a punished super soldier. But Sam mm-hmm. goes, "Hey, I got something I want to show you in Washington and the Smithsonian." So they go to the Smithsonian, and you see them walking, and Isaiah's looking around, going, "Like, oh yeah, yeah, history. I respect these guys." like he's reverent to it he's not like worshiping but he's like no steve is a good man i recognize cap he's good the other people the government fucked me over steve never fucked me over i i respect steve Mm -hmm. and sam goes like all right the thing i want to show you is over here and there's a giant bronze statue of a young isaiah bradley and a plaque that i would assume says isaiah bradley was experimented on by the u.s government against his will and imprisoned for being in prison for being the kind of person that Captain America wanted us to be. Remember Isaiah Bradley, he died in prison where he should have died a free man. But like actor, that's what I would have. Um I, I I feel bad. I never looked up his name, but the actor who played Isaiah Bradley just did this scene <clears throat> so fucking perfectly. Before you even see the statue, 
there you see Isaiah's reaction to it, and he just kind of gets this like reverent, holy shit, is that what I think it is? Look in his eyes, and he grabs his grandson's shoulder to steady himself. And that is such a like, grandpa move. I love that. And like Sam's given this speech about like, yeah, I got your documents released. I want people to know that you will never be forgotten. You you did something unimaginable for this country. And for that, you will always be remembered by people who visit this museum, even if only briefly. And Isaiah's just got this wide-eyed, fucking on the verge of tears look in his face. And he just, he hugs Sam and he's like shaking. And it's another moment where um, I, I actually teared up during Sam's speech. I almost teared up here. Is mm, great performance by all three actors in that scene. But the, the best part about it is like it's it's a compromise between what Isaiah wants. He Isaiah wants to be left alone. He goes like I've been fucked over too much. The world can fuck off. And Sam going like No, people need to know about you. And understanding that like yeah, both of them can coexist. Those two ideas. And it's just it's just a good. I love the chemistry between all of them. It's really mm -hmm. good. Also, I just love how the grandson kept getting more and more. It, people who know the comics know, oh, that's that's Patriot. But people who don't, it's just like, oh, no, that's a cute kid. He's a cute grandkid. Mm -hmm. And he's slowly getting more and more endeared towards Sam. So when it inevitably happens, you can believe that kid going like, uh, hey, I realized I inherited superpowers from my grandpa. Could you train me? Yeah. And then we end the scene on what is ultimately probably the best the best the best reason to have Sam as Captain America. Everybody joining around Sam, taking pictures, going like, hey, this guy's Captain America, our local hero, our guy, Wilson, Sam motherfucking Wilson is Captain America. And everybody now knows how good this man is. Yeah, it's a big old like block party on the docks by by Sam's childhood home with all these extras and minor characters that we've seen in all the Louisiana scenes just hanging out partying having fun Bucky's there too he's playing around with the kids and telling war stories God and damn, happy Bucky is so fun just because like oh he's playing the fighting thing that that the kids were afraid of him at first remember yeah and now he's joining in, and it's like, oh, there's Bucky. the shot of him, like, like I'm assuming telling a war story to Sam's sister and some other lady, while two kids are hanging off of his metal arm. Like, it, oh, it's it so good. <laughs> and oh. like the fucking, the show started with both these men in a place of being separate from each other very fragile and and in a state of near brokenness because raw. They, they were raw the man who united them the man who they both looked up to had just left them and left them in impossible situations and this show is the story of them rising to the occasion though not always being in the right mindset eventually getting to the places they need to be and becoming the people they were always meant to be and the show ends on a shot of the two of them looking at the sunset and smiling. And then they that fades, and we get the title for this episode, and it just says, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Wouldn't that be great if that's what Cap 4 is called? We already had Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, but this time it's not a hyphen, it's an and. 
<laughs> that would confuse a lot of people. Yeah, that would piss off the angry video game nerds so much. His fucking his his you know what's bullshit video on movie titles. Oh, but we then have the credits. It's a happy bombastic credits now. It's it's not sad. It's not like ominous. It's just like nope. We got a cap now. He's cool. He can fly. Mm-hmm. And then we have Sharon Carter's pardon. And like the entire time, they're going like Sharon Carter. We did you a disservice. We did because of what your aunt did. Because of what you've done. For that, we're sorry. Welcome back. Welcome back home. We'll help you, you out. Want your old job back? Oh yeah, you want your old job back because you were good at it. And we we haven't done a background check in for you for the last six years. And this is a full pardon, so that wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah. And, like, I can't remember the actress's name, but Sharon Carter just has a look on her face of, like, oh, God, don't laugh. Don't laugh. She's trying so hard not to corpse. And the best thing thing is, uh, much like uh, uh, corpsing and wrestling, you can easily play it off as she's she's trying to keep from crying. Yep. And she walks out of that, that... that office that building and she just immediately calls and goes like all right i got my old job back that means we have access to all this technology all these things that we can steal and sell um power brokers back in business we don't have super soldiers but we got a lot start lining up buyers god damn sharon carter is evil nick fury and i'm here for it no 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 see here's the thing nick fury was nick fury contessa is evil nick fury Sharon Carter is nega Nick. No, Nick Fury is Nick Fury. He's a good man who tries to do good things and will compromise some ideals. Contessa is a person who has good desires but will compromise everything to accomplish. Sharon Carter has evil desires and will do the Nick Fury plan to get them. Yeah, she's she's fucking the world fucked me over, so I'm gonna fuck the world right back. God damn, god damn. There's so much you can do with that. Like, like I said. Cat 4, Sharon's got to be the big bad. And much like the S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, much like the S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, Cap shouldn't find out until, like, almost at the end of the second act. Goddamn. There's so much you can do. This this doesn't necessarily give us a lot of, like, oh, here's the next, here's the next Marvel movie. But it does give us a lot of thematic elements that the MCU can play with going forward. You know what? Um... WandaVision was setting up future plot lines. This is setting up the status quo going forward. Yeah. Of, of like <laughs> the world, the basic, our, our corner of the world, this is the new status quo. Like, it's understandable why the original plan was for this to come out first and then WandaVision. Because honestly, thinking about it, that would have made, that would have been 10 times better. Mm-hmm. Because it would have gotten us a status quo for the world, and then WandaVision goes like, hey, by the way, sitcom and magic and bullshit. Yeah. I'm fine with the way it came out in this reality, but in the reality where COVID's not a thing, and the original release order happened, damn, that would have been sick. Yeah. But we do got more MCU things to talk about. Uh, we yeah, got, we got a- two trailers this week. Oh, we got two? We'll we got Lo- Well, we forgot to talk about Loki. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I was trying to figure out what you're talking about. So let's let's just go over Loki because that's the next MCU thing we're going to be talking about uh, extensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it was good. I love the fucking cheesy ass 70s design aesthetic for the the time uh, time variants. It looks it looks sick. It looks fun. I'm not exactly sure what to expect from it. 
yet, but like I'm I'm just like it looks fun. There's a funny line in this trailer. Owen Wilson's here. They referenced Vote Loki. Um, yeah, we're doing this. I how much money do you have on there being a lady Loki in the You know, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Use use this show as a way for Tom Hiddleston to pass the torch. Yeah. I wouldn't I see here's the thing. I would love to have like all three Loki. Mm. But like this Loki be cameo machine. Yeah. Lady Loki's the evil one. Kid Loki's there to be like, hey, I'm gonna be a young Avenger and help out. And like Tom Hiddleston Loki's like, hey, I'm dealing with a bunch of bullshit over here. I'll help out every once in a while, but no guarantee. Maybe have like an episode where he's Lady Loki in this show, but then by the end of it, you get Kid Loki. So you can have that actor for like the next five phases. Yeah. And then Lady Loki would just be cool to see on screen because Loki is one of the the few characters in Marvel who I think is gender fluid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, No, I'm just trying to think of any others. The only other one I can think of is like Mystique. Yeah. And I would love for, um, because I I don't know about you, but I've read this book. Um, After we've done a few like minor things with Kid Loki, when when that actor gets to be like a teenager, do a Disney Plus show, uh, Loki, Agent of Asgard. That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be fun to bring back Valkyrie. And she goes like, look, you're Loki, but you're also Loki. And you're also Loki. So just keep bringing that actress back. Just be like, great. yeah. By icon. I, I see. I view MCU Valkyrie as by. I don't hmm. know. This is me. Yeah, fair enough. By in a lesbian relationship. That's how I see it. Her, her and Lady Sif are like the two minor female actors from the from the four series that need to keep coming back no matter what. Because mm-hmm. I, um, I'm trying to remember. Was it that Lady Sif's actor was confirmed to be in Love and Thunder? I think so. I think she has been. Cool. I, I'm just I just want Beta Ray Bill. Give me Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. I mean, they teased it in Ragnarok. I feel like they might set it up in Love and Thunder, but not do it yet. Like, goddamn, you could just do one entire movie of the Beta Ray Bill storyline. Mm-hmm. Just that that one whole bit. Yeah. Uh, That'd be fun. But that's a whole thing that's going on. And then another whole thing that's going on is, uh, hey, you like you like martial arts? You like Kung Fu? You like uh, Taekwondo? You like Wusha? You like uh you like jujitsu? Yeah, you like uh you like Asian you like Asian North American Asian Canadians uh doing dope shit? I mean yes, yes, definitely that. Uh so we got the trailer for Shang Chi in the Legend, and the of, Legend the- of the Ten Rings. Ooh. And literally they confirmed the actor we got a shot of, the actor who's playing Shang Chi's dad is the fucking Mandarin. Tony Liu, I think the actor's name is? Yeah. Tony Liu? Uh, I think this was one of the best Marvel trailers in a long time for like a bog standard Marvel movie. You know what I mean? And here's the thing. I didn't get hype off of this trailer. I watched it. I kind of stroked my beard and I went, looks good. Can't wait. Don't need to see anything else. Yeah. No, I would love to see more just because I want to see more. Mm-hmm. Um, But... I've some people pointed out that like oh th- it's probably not going to be like knuckle rings it's probably going to be armband as rings partially to avoid the comparison to the infinity stone and the gauntlet uh-huh but also because pointed out 
the Ten Rings that the Mandarin uses is stolen technology from the alien race that Fing Fang Foom is. Mm-hmm. So it would make more sense to, for them to be that big to fit Fing Fang Foom's finger. Dude, if Fing Fang Foom is in like the end credit scene of that movie, who dare disturbs Fing Fang Foom? God. And Shang Chi's just like, I, I was just returning these. Here you go. God damn. But. It looks great. It looks fantastic. It looks like a dope-ass kung fu movie. Mm -hmm. Have you heard the bullshit about China? No. What's up? This trailer has been super divisive in mainland China and Hong Kong. Really? Yes. You want to know the reason? Well, the Chinese government is kind of a big bag of dicks right now. Well, A, it's basically like, this is a very American movie. It's an American take on kung fu. That's just what it is. And they go like, yeah, this is an American take on Kung Fu. It's kind of bullshit. We got regular Kung Fu. We don't need this. That's a little understandable. I mm-hmm. think you should be willing to accept other cultures for takes on your your shit. I mean, Japan loves Power Rangers, and that's an American take on Tokusatsu. So, yeah, just, just saying, you can be a little open-minded to American versions of things. But they also said the main actor for Shang-Chi, I can't remember his real name. Don't ask me, dude. I don't yeah, want yeah. this shit up. But uh, he has been lambasted as not being pretty enough. What? They're calling him ugly, apparently. Fuck off. That is a handsome man. That is a handsome-ass man! Like, he's not... He's not drop-dead gorgeous, sure, but he is a handsome man. Here's the thing. I feel perfectly comfortable saying he's more handsome than me. Here's the thing. There is unrealistic handsome. That is just like, you look like you're a computer-generated person. Ew. And then there's like... No, that is a naturally occurring handsome-ass man. And in between that, I would say there's also, like, typical Hollywood leading man handsome. And I think that's what people were expecting from this movie. And, and here's that's the thing, why they're upset. As, here's the thing. I'd say he fits that role. It's just we don't see a ton of Asian leading men in uh, American movies. So, like, we're used to Chris Evans. We're used to him. I mean, the last, the last blanket... Um, Asian leading man I can think of who was hugely popular is Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan's 50 fucking years old now. Yeah. But like, I think he's a handsome ass man. I think he looks good. Just like, yeah. What fucking weird. Yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah. And that's also kind of surprising because like, I would think it would be more about the Kung Fu there, especially with, uh, you know, that, uh, that, um, that super eye patch wolf video where he talks about how the Chinese government is super invested in making sure people think martial arts is the coolest fucking thing ever right now. I like real magic and bullshit. Mm-hmm. But no, it's this was this was magic made by white men. It's not it's not it's not indicative of actual Chinese fucking culture. Yeah, and guess what? Thor isn't blonde, pretty, and brothers with Loki. Jesus isn't a white dude with long hair either, but we keep saying he is. Like I understand that these kung fu movies and the 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 way they uh, they're, they're done is part of your culture and everything, but come on, calm down. This, this is a Marvel movie. This is what they do. They take cultural ideas and s- filter them through the Marvel universe so they can fit within it. Mm. Come on, like like Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange being like full on like magic and pagan. I mean, like. There's not a pagan people anymore, but there's plenty of people who still subscribe to the pagan religion. They don't come out against Doctor Strange. 
I don't yeah. know if there's a I don't know if there's like a small Norse movement still. There's people who think Vikings are fucking dope, but I don't think they like subscribe I think to there's, the Norse I, I think there's a few people who still believe the Asir, but it's more of like a but, revival. But, it's more of like, a revival and not a continued relate religion. Mm -hmm. And it's not and like the point I'm working at is none of those people go like, oh, four's fucking stupid. No, they love four. Hey, hey, Magneto. I have never once heard a Jewish person go like, hey, Magneto's kind of bullshit. Mm -hmm. There's some people. There's some Romani that don't like Quicksilver, but like that's kind of fair because Quicksilver's a dickhead. Yeah, and here's the thing: there's other Romani uh, comic book characters that are fucking really dope and cool. Nightwing. Nightwing's Romani. Mm -hmm. That reminds you, me. You I need your to... Irish people complain about Banshee. Come on. I need to. I need to get. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but Tom Taylor is writing Nightwing right now. It's two issues in, and apparently, it's extremely good. That's good. Yeah, but so... uh. That's the that's the trailer. So why don't you dive into what comic kind of comic booky shit have you been dealing with this week? Oh fuck you! I said I comic book. You, no, no, no. I told comic... you before recording that I didn't read any comics this week. I know. That's why I said comic booky, as in related to comic books. Doesn't have to be comic books. You're the one who outed yourself there, buddy. Okay, fair enough. I just felt very attacked. Um, I was giving you an out so you could go like, well, I haven't read anything, but here's what I want to talk about. Okay, so you want so, so can I fucking blabber about Marvel Legends or what? Yeah, do it, my boy. Okay, so I picked up a few Marvel Legends this week, and by picked up, I mean I finally got around to opening them because I have kind of a stockpile of figures that I need to get through opening. You have a, a toy little... store. You have a toy store pile that is it's basically a... walking into a toy store. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie. Um. Because I, I pre-ordered a bunch of shit that all ended up coming out all at once in November when I was stuck at home uh, because COVID. I caught COVID in November and I I had more time on my hands to look at websites. And I went, oh, wait, I have money now. I can just order shit I want. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is bad. I've only just recently gotten a real compromised handle on that, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's go through these in release order. First things first, Avengers Retro Collection Iron Man, which Ooh, is sort modular. of the, uh, no, this is not modular. They're they're about to release modular. This is kind of pre-modular, um, like mid '80s Iron Man. No, that's a um, uh, post Armor Wars, which was the modular armor. Was it? Yep, I thought that's uh, the one that's in the uh, Ursa Major wave that's just got revealed that we were talking it, about. I think they're both. Modular, I think this is like that's like exactly post armor war. That's the end of armor war. I think that's more okay. like mid 90s yeah. Iron Man armor. This is also the armor that he was wearing going into War Machine's debut, which is why I wanted it because it goes with the War Machine they recently put out. Nice. Um, however, this is not a great figure. This is uh, this is several years old now. And it's got a lot of engineering quirks that were outdated at the time. Uh, case in point. These shoulders, they're pinned in at the shoulder instead of at the arm. So if you want to move his arm, you're going to be running into them, and they're going to look awkward and weird. And uh, if you're not careful, they can pop right off. Honestly, so, though, with the Iron Man look, you could just pop them off and it'd look fine. That's fair. Um, but that is a little annoying. They're also made of, like, a really kind of um, fragile-feeling plastic. Like They sound oh, clacky. Yeah, they're they're extremely clacky. Um, and then uh, the uh, the arms themselves are fine, but they just kind of have this 
awkward, almost kind of um, clicky clacky feel to them. And then the hips are kind of the worst thing because these are Iron Man 2 hips. Do you understand what that means? Ooh, I, I have vague, I have vague understanding. But yeah, ooh. so uh, for po- for people listening to this podcast, Iron Man 2 hips is a specific type of hip joint that Hasbro primarily used for their Iron Man 2 action figure line because they had a dedicated line for Iron Man 2 because that was that was just before Marvel Legends was brought back by Hasbro and that line kind of led into them bringing Marvel Legends back. It was that and then they had like a general Iron Man line for a year and then they brought Marvel Legends back off the back of that fa- those lines success because it was primarily a three and three quarter inch line, but there was also a six inch line that people really like. Um, with the exception of the Iron Man 2 hip joint, which is essentially a ball joint for the actual hip. But then there's a pivot slot and the joint can only move out in whatever direction that pivot joint is that it, that it's going. So if you want to change what direction the legs go out in, you have to put them down like he's standing and then twist it until the pivot joint is the way you want it. You could also take a plier, a pair of pliers and manually twist it, but you risk breaking the figure if you do that. So that, that's a level of bullshit that like it's understandable from like, oh, we need to make a t- toy quick. Mm-hmm. But like by the time this figure came out, and nowadays that joint is pretty much gone. Now they have like actual fucking universal joints at the hip. Yeah, see, like, I got my Pizza Spider-Man right here, and it's just, like, full ball jointy boy. Yeah, and, like, that's that's kind of the thing with this figure is, like, I didn't expect it to be anything special. I just wanted something to put next to my war machine that looked appropriate, because the only other Iron Man I have is a very modern Iron Man armor. It's based on the Bendis run. Mm. Um, uh, But... Uh, yeah, having those hip joints, like the shoulder joints, the the weird shoulder covers, I can deal with that. I've had that on figures before, but Iron Man Common Rider, Iron Man two hips on a figure like that far away from the Iron Man two line really bugs me. So I don't know how much I'm actually going to use this. Thing. Then that's probably they're probably both modular armors, and the new one is just kind of like replacing that one. Then. Yeah, I've got that and the uh, the classic Ultron in that wave on pre-order. So mm, classic Ultron. That's um, Ultron Five, isn't it? It's Ultron Five, yeah. But that's like classic iconic Ultron to a lot of people. I wonder. I wonder if they've ever done like a like a. No, it'd be cool. Uh, Pulse exclusive. Uh, uh, Ultron One, just that a trash be, bin. That would be wonderful. <laughs> just a trash bin. You and a couple like Ant Man accessories. That'd be fun. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's let's get like a lab coat for our uh, our Hank Pym Ant Man. Let's do that. Yeah. Um. But then I got uh from the uh, Venom Pool wave, uh Carnage. Oh yeah. I have the recent deluxe Monster Venom that's done in a a Eddie Brock Venom paint scheme because that I I haven't opened it yet. But that that's how I think of Venom is like Venom is a big hulking monster like i understand that's never that's rarely how he is in the comics when he's eddie brock he's usually more svelte he's muscly but he's a, he's a lot smaller than he's that. as muscly as john cena was yeah but to me venom should be like a big hulking and human monster um so i got that to be my venom and i'm gonna open that uh soonish and then i got this carnage to go with it because it's kind of a more modern carnage 
Um, and it has a it has a head because I believe this is based on a recent Carnage storyline. Maximum. Um, yeah. Um, and then it also has a uh, a classic inspired Carnage head that you can swap out. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna swap out the head, and that'll just be a Carnage on the shelf for me. Um, but I actually really um, ended up digging the head. It's boxed in way more because it's so much more monstrous and freaky. And you told me uh, in our in our toys chat on your Discord server that this is actually like a a uh, null head. Yeah. See, we can get into a bunch of like null lore, but like that was what the symbiotes had instead of eyes until mm. people until like Eddie Brock, and they had okay. the, then they had the spider eyes. But like they had the spiral, and whenever Noel's like inflicting his control on symbiotes, they get the spiral back. Mm -hmm. And that is a storyline with Carnage, where he's basically acting as like the herald of Noel, and he's going mm. like, "Noel's coming, bitch." That's cool. I'm waking uh, him up with my crazy. But like, I I really dig this Carnage. This is the newest and the third version of Carnage they've done in the new Hasbro Marvel Legends line. I had the first one and then eventually ended up selling it because I could just never get the thing to stand for more than 10 minutes. Um, but uh, I really dig this one. Uh, like the, the whole kind of like more crazy uh, lines all over him and like way more tendrils than any other version of uh, Carnage there's been in this line. And I love how kind of like spiky and evil they are. The whole look of this figure really reminds me of um, the horrors from Garo. Uh, like those those basic bitch uh, foot, foot soldier grunts from that show. Um, it has that kind of like monsterish, devilish look. And I really like that for Carnage. The only thing I feel like this figure is missing is an alternate Cletus Cassidy head. And there is a Carnage in in this. Uh, it's the second Carnage that they did in Hasbro Marvel Legends that has a Cletus Cassidy head. So I might get that just to get some accessories for this guy on his floor. Yeah, Cletus, Cletus Cassidy is one of the best fucking like one note villains Marvel has. Oh yeah, he he is. Um, he's kind of like the Joker before everybody got stupid introspective of the Joker. Yeah. Um. And then I got a couple figures from the recent uh, Spider-Man Retro Collection, which is figures done in the style of the 90s cartoon on uh, retro cards based off of the Toy Biz toys for that show. So uh, first, um, I did already have uh, Electro from that line, because that's the only way you can get classic Electro. Um, and um, for the longest time, the only thing I really collected in Marvel Legends was just Spidey robes, because I really wanted to have a nice Spider-Man fighting his entire Spider Spider-Man robes gallery display. Um, and I've kind of uh, fallen off of that. There's some I've missed. I need to go back and get like Hydro Man and Hobgoblin and guys like that. But have they done a Demo Goblin? Yes, he was a builder figure. Oh, sweet. Um, but uh, I got J Jonah Jameson. Oh, I like that J. Jonah, because I have the Chameleon J. Jonah. Yeah, and I have that figure, too, although I always displayed it as Chameleon. I always wanted to get a second one to display as Hammerhead, too, because um, it comes with that that figure comes with free heads. Uh, it's marketed as Chameleon, but it also comes with heads for Hammerhead and Jonah. So it was like free birds with one stone. It, it, it The body always felt too thin to be Hammerhead. That's true. Um, Hammerhead needs to have like a footballer body. Yeah, and it was also a suited body. So I could like a like a uh, a very business suit type body. So I could buy it as Mayor Jonah, but this is classic newspaper mogul Jonah. Yeah. Um 
And you can Give see he actually he comes with a rolled up edition of the Daily Planet, and then he comes with a folded printed out edition of the Daily Planet That's with awesome. actual articles that you can read if you grab a magnifying glass. That's um, cool. And there's shit on here like uh, Wilson Fisk, criminal past, Oscorp found not guilty of fraud, uh, Mysterio back behind bars, uh, cat burglar at large. Uh, uh, Electro speaks out. Cyborg Spider-Man sighting stuff. Headlines like that. That's that's great. That's a really cute accessory to throw in with this toy. Um, I really like the look of this thing because it's it's like Jonah in a uh, a button-up shirt and then like a waistcoat and his ties all ajar and his face is clearly sculpted like he's screaming at Peter. Um, Give me pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, I do have a few minor complaining points with it, mainly in terms of the legs. Uh, his feet aren't the worst, but they're very small, and the ball joints they're on aren't super cooperative. So it's kind of hard to get him to in just a regular standing pose. Yeah, you, if you're gonna put him on a shelf, grab some blue tack and just stick it under his heel. Um, and uh, very weird to be saying this about this character, but his ass is way too big. The way they sculpted it. <laughs> like, he's... Like, you can see this. Jonah has a dump truck. The way they sculpted it, it's like this massive plate going over his hips. And it's not like he has a big, round, dummy, thick ass. It's just... It's it's a flat plate. But because of that, you can't really get his legs going backwards I mean, all too well. You have to bend them out and back. I mean, so how like, is Jay Jonah gonna do that, though? Yeah, but that's the thing is, like, I want that for balancing. I have to rely on the ball joint his waist is on for balancing. Um, so, like, if you want to get him just standing, it's a bit of a chore. Um, yeah, no, I was just looking at my Ghostbusters guys because I have the Ghostbusters Hasbro line. They got more of, like, a diaper thing going. Yeah, and, like, I know there's people who really don't like that look. For the sake of articulation, I tend to prefer it. Um, but that's a whole thing. And that's, like... That's a minor complaining point. Like I said, you just stick some blue tack under Jonah's feet, put him on the shelf. He'll be fine. That's all you really want. Um, but then uh, the other retro card figure I got, and like I said, the newspaper was hinting at some things in that line. I got Black Cat. Nice. And uh, this is based directly on her appearance in the 90s show because there was a, uh, a, a regular release Black Cat way, way back in Marvel Legends. Uh in a um, ultimate Green Goblin Build-A-Figure wave that was released with a Spider-Man that was a tie-in to Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's mm. how far back that wave is. And I had that Black Cat, and I had that Spider-Man. That was my Spider-Man until I got Pizza Spidey. Um, and I liked that Black Cat, but I ended up selling it because it had high heels, and I could never get her to stand. Mm. Um, and this has flat heels, However, her feet articulation isn't much better, so she still has a bit of a standing problem, but it's not as bad. Um, however, if you are a stickler for the comic look, she doesn't have the massive zipper going down the front of the costume. It's more like a black leotard. Um, and she does have... It's kind of hard to see, so I'll part the hair. She has kind of like a, sp a spiked choker. Yeah. Because uh, that was a thing she had in the 90s show. It's, it's part of that design. Um, but like... For an update to that figure that's probably now kind of rare and kind of expensive on the secondary market, um, this is fine. This works perfectly fine. This is going to be my new display black cat. 
um, in my Spider-Man Rogues collection. Um, and it's on that standard Marvel Legends female body that I've talked about the pros and cons of before. So I don't really need to say much more. It's it's like, if you like this body, it's good. If you don't like it, it's not great. I'm kind of in the middle on it, but I'm glad they're starting to move away from it. Also, the beginnings of your Spider-Man harem compilation. Yeah, that might be a thing I'm low-key working on. Peter Parker is a harem protag. Mm -hmm. I mean, in this same retro collection, there is a figure that's that you can use both as Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. Ooh. And then... Spider Gwen, <laughs> Spider Gwen was re-released in the Into the Spider Verse wave around that same time. There's a there's a uh, there's a Pulse exclusive Silk that just came out. Shit's going down. There's only a few people that uh, Jessica Jones, I think, would need a figure. Does she have a comic figure? I don't think she has a comic figure. There might have been a Jewel figure at one point. There might have been that, but there wasn't a straight Jessica Jones. It's just and more because Jessica Jones had a crush on peter i'm saying yeah that's one of the best scenes in comics that we're never going to get in the mcu yeah shame and it comes from bendis's avengers of all things but that's when bendis was actually like halfway decent yeah you know i love that oh god i'm thinking about that scene now and i love that scene so much because peter's just like why the fuck didn't you say anything? I would have jumped at the chance to date you. And she's like, I was a shy, awkward teenager just like you. Why didn't you say anything to Gwen Stacy? And he's like, fuck, you're right. I did in college. She died. Oh. It was the whole thing. She also fucked Norman Osborn and had twins. Your life's kind of fucked, mood. <laughs> <laughs> also, she was cloned. How many clones? Multiple times. How many clones are in your life? And now I'm best, and now I'm like low key best friends with a version of her that has my powers from an alternate universe. Our lives are weird. Johnny Storm just flies by. You're telling me. <laughs> have I have I told you about my scroll wife? I'm trying to remember whatever happened to them. I need to look it up. Uh, but uh, that is all the figures I picked up this week. But uh, I did pick up one other thing, and I wanted to kind of take a moment to highlight this because uh, today actually. I was out getting groceries um, at, at this Walmart that's like 10 minutes from me that I go to all the time. Um, and across the street from there, there's a strip center and there's a local video game store in there. I've been in there a couple of times. It's OK, but video games aren't my thing. Um, and I just kind of glanced over and I noticed, holy shit, there's a comic store in that strip center now. Ooh. And like there's already a couple comic shops in my area. But I haven't been to any of them in a long time, just because anytime I go into a local business, I feel pressured to buy something. And I'm not super into buying current comics right now, and that's their bread and butter. Um, and I spend like an hour agonizing over what trade to get. So I'm like, I've got shit that needs to go in the fridge. I'm going to run home, put this shit in the fridge, and then come back and check out this comic book store. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say it because I want to give this guy some free advertisement. The place is called Board Silly. It's on Wade Hampton Boulevard in the greater Greenville, Taylor's, South Carolina area. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do, because it is a comic store that does uh, comics, board games, and a little bit of figures. There's like a, a slight area of figures, but for the most part, it's like a bunch of long boxes of back issues, some trades on display, and then like a bunch of shelves of board games that you can buy. And in the back, there's a couple tables where you can sit down and play board games. That um, sounds like my kind of place, man. 
Yeah, and uh, I I basically um, just kind of browsed around the place. I said hi to the owner as I walked in, um, and he was talking to someone at the time, so I just kind of said hi and then walked past him. Um, and I, I walked around, and then I picked out a trade. Um, I, uh, I went up to the counter and paid for uh, this Hawkeye and Mockingbird uh, miniseries that's from a few years ago. Uh, it is... Uh, Hawkeye Mockingbird Ghosts by Jim McCann and David Lopez. I'd never heard of this before, but I like modern Hawkeye shit, so I figured I'd pick it up and give it a try, especially because I've never actually read a story that focuses on his relationship with Bobby, and that's kind of like a major classic thing with Clint, so yeah. need to get up on that. Uh, and I got to talking with the owner, and I spent like 45 minutes just talking about... Um, the comics industry and like adaptations and stuff that are going on right now. He's a really cool guy. I, I, I didn't ask him his age, but he looked like he was mid to late thirties, uh, big, bald, big, tall, bald guy. Um, really nice, really personable. Um, and, uh, just genuinely seemed like he was a nice, honest guy, which, um, I'm not going to throw shade on any of the other stores around here too hard, but, uh, there, the other, the other two comic book stores, straight comic book stores in my area, they're definitely businessmen. This guy came off like a fan who went, you know, it's been my lifelong dream to open a store, so I just did it, and now I do this for like eight hours a day, and then I go do DoorDash for a few hours a day. And he said that the store had been open for eight months, and in the last two or three months, it had finally started to break even. And good. And uh, he, he makes the extra money he needs to survive through doing DoorDash until the store um, gets gets to that point. Uh, and, and we talked about various things. And one of the things that made me realize, like, this is a good, honest guy is, like, um, we talked about uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He had seen the finale. I told him I hadn't. And he, like, said various things, like, um, well... How much? How 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 spoiler phobic are you? And I'm like, you can say like we find out this or we find out that, but don't don't say specifics of what it is. And he's like, okay, so like, how were you interested in the power broker in this? And I was like, oh yeah, I marked out the first time they mentioned it because I I'm a big fan of Nick Spencer's Ant Man and the power broker was one of the big bads in that book. And he's like, yeah, well, we finally get to see who the power broker is in this episode. Didn't say anything about Sharon. But, like, that got me excited for the episode, and then I came home, and that made the reveal a little better, honestly. Nice. Uh, and uh, just said a couple other things about the episode like that. Uh, and and I'm trying to get rid of my singles right now. I want to be mainly a trades collector. Uh, and he kind of said, like, well, this is roughly what I do on a long box of singles, depending on what era it is. And seemed like good prices compared to what else people are offering around this area. And uh, we kind of we kind of joked about like the overabundance of '90s stuff and him trying not to have too much of that stuck in his store. Um, did you tell him you had a friend who would dead set collect? I did. Dude, I told him about Boingo Core. <laughs> what was his response? He's like, "That is the best thing ever. That's that that should totally be a common term in geek nomenclature." And, I just need to get uh, famous. And, uh, um, well, he came off like a guy who didn't it? really, I was basically like, uh, I, I have a friend who I do a, a, po a couple podcasts with and, uh, he's like big into that kind of goofy gimmicky 90s shit. 
Um, and we we have a word for it now called and we call it Boingo Core because his online handle is Boingo Writer because he's a big fan of the band Oingo Boingo. And he's like, that makes sense. That's that's really cute and funny. Um, and uh, like he also came off like a guy who just generally isn't that into the Internet. Like he didn't know who Linkara was because I referenced Linkara at one point um, and then had to explain the concept of Linkara, <laughs> which was fun. Um, and then uh, we talked about he's not actually carrying current right now. Uh, because uh, he doesn't, it would put him in the red to be ordering the bare minimum from Diamond. Mm. Um, like Diamond has a minimum amount that you have to order in Is order to be on their Marvel aren't, uh... uh So he go, I, I'm like, so do you do polis? And he tells me the whole thing about Diamond, and he's like, but I will be doing them by default because Marvel is going to Penguin, and DC has been with a different publisher for a while. So I will start carrying current Marvel and DC. And if anybody else moves, I'll start carrying them. So if you want to come back in the fall and start a poll with me, I'd totally be down for that. And I was like, I have to think about it because I'm trying to get out of singles right now. And he's like, well, if you want to order trades for me, I can do that right now. I can order any any trade that's still in print. Nice. And I, and I was like, let me think about it because there's two Walmarts in my life that I get my groceries from. It's either the one by work or the one by home. Mm -hmm. That is the one by home. So I'm thinking, considering I might come up with like, oh, I might keep a running list of trades I'm interested in and just like every week have a thing where I get my groceries and then I go into this comic book store. I pick up a trade and I say, this is the one I want next week. Nice. That's, that's good. And hey, you're reading uh, Dawn of X through trade. Yeah. I, and I told him about that, so I might I might just go in next week and say, hey, can you order, like, the next uh, two volumes of Dawn of X for me? Nice. <laughs> Good. Support your local comic book shops, guys. Yeah. And and, uh, and uh, that was just a nice interaction, because I hadn't had, like, a... And I think this is very relatable for a lot of people. I hadn't had a nice, in-depth conversation with a stranger in a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and that was just so wonderful and so fulfilling to be like... Because we, we we had moments where we were like, oh, what did you think of this show? Or what what do you think of this movie? And we and I was like, disagree, but we never got hostile. And that's, that's, that's another thing is like people talk about in comic book stores. It's so hard not to get heated with people these days. This guy was totally just like, ah, I don't know about that. But but if that's what you think, OK, like he's not a big Tom King fan. He he was like, oh, Tom King's Batman was shit. And I, and I was kind of like. Oh, I like it because this reason and this reason, and and he points out something he thought was really stupid, and I'm like, well, here's why I like that, and he's like, I can see that. Yeah, I personally, I think Tom King's great at twelves, mm -hmm. twelve issue miniseries. That's what we kind of agreed is like Tom King is really hit or miss, and when he really hits, he really hits. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that was that was my experiences with comics outside of the MCU this week. Well. I, I mostly re just read some comics and shit, so the comics discussion will be on my half. <laughs> uh, also, real quick, this is getting into Hickman X-Men. Spoilers. I'm good. Let's go. Okay, so first things first. Uh, new issue of S.W.O.R.D. happened. We're finally out of King and Black, uh, so they're de now do just doing their own storyline and everything. Um, uh, there's this old 90s character. He was a dick then. He's a dick now. And he's Fabian Cortez. And he his, his mutant power is amplifying other people's mutant power. So he's like a uh, a reverse rogue? 
Yeah, he's he's a buffer, okay? And they need him to do the interdimensional space travel thing. But they only need him temporarily till they find a better one because they don't like working with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay? And so he goes like, so he's get he gets reborn. He's he he's back. He's in the body, and it, and like previously, he told Magneto, "I want to talk to the Quiet Council about why we shouldn't murder humans because I think that's bullshit. I think we should be allowed to murder humans." And he goes like, "Magneto, because he used to work for Magneto. He used to be an acolyte in the '90s." So Magneto goes like, "All right, cool, fine. You used to be a minion. I'll bring it up with the Council." And so he goes like, "All right, cool." You just got you just got rehatched. You're reborn. We'll bring it up with the council. It's not a full council, so we're just talking with the people that are there, and then we'll bring it up later. And he goes like, all right, cool, sweet. I can dig that. And they're starting the meeting, and then Peepers, an old-ass fucking mutant from the 60s that only appeared like once or twice, shows up, and Magneto goes like, oh, my old friend Peepers, come in. <laughs> I want to hear your opinions about this. God damn it, Hickman. And Fabian is just, like, aghast because, like, motherfucker, I basically worshipped you in the 90s, and yet this guy's your friend? Who the fuck is this guy? And he goes, like, I'm Peepers. I, I see shit. Okay? And so he starts bringing up of, like, I, I am descended of, like, Spanish royalty. Uh, like, the Cortez family were in Spain, and they did dope shit. They were conquerors. They conquered this land. Uh, like, they conquered America. They did all that kind of shit. And he goes, like, we are the next step. We are superior, and they need to understand that. They need to feel that. And Peepers just speaks up and goes, like, so uh, what's your mutant name? What? What's your mutant name? I mean, it's they started off as just call signs and, like, nicknames and, like, things like that. But it's eventually become, like, part of our culture, you know? Where, like, we get our power, we kind of figure out what we want to be called with our power. You have the name you're assigned when you're born, and then just like in the real world with internet handles, you have the name you choose when you become an adult. Yeah, but it's like a mutant, like your mutant name. It's part of our culture. And Fabian just goes like, my mutant name is Fabian Cortez. And it's just like, and everybody just immediately goes like, oh, you're not a, like, you're using mutant not because you believe in mutant society and mutant culture. You're not with us because, oh, you feel like, part of the group you're with us because you want to use it as a culture to say you cultural to say you're better than people mm -hmm. and basically magneto dresses him down and goes like yeah we only brought you in so i could fucking teach you a lesson by the way swords firing you they found the other person they they found the other person they found your replacement and you're done and so he is naked standing in the middle of this round table that he was just impassionately going like, yo, we should kill humans. And he's just and he just looks like the most pathetic thing in the world. It's great. That's sick. And then we had what I probably was probably going to be one of my favorite X books. The Way of X. Okay. So a while ago, you haven't gotten to it in Dawn of X, but there's an issue of X-Men. I think it's like seven. Where something happens and Nightcrawler goes, you know what? I think it's time we have a mutant religion. Going like, cultures need something to believe in. I think we need to figure what our belief is. Time to get some propaganda to make people behave. Yeah, and basically we go like, we need something to believe in. We need something to do this. And so he's been doing this in the background. And in this issue, people are just going like, hey, Nightcrawler, how's that mutant religion going? And he just goes like, it's it's coming. I'm 
I'm getting a, a lot of roadblocks on trying to figure out what the fuck our morality is now. Because he's on a mission with a couple, like, basically Gen Z's, Pixie, and a couple others. And they're all ragging on Pixie. Basically going like, oh man, you haven't died and been reborn yet? Loser. You should just kill yourself so you can do it once and just say you have. And Nightcrawler's going like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Oh my- dude, That's he's- horrifying. Dude, dude. Dying is the X-Men version of losing your virginity? God. But, like, that's kind of how they're treating it now. That's fucking hilarious. And so they're they're tackling this, like, basically the, 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 the big, bad, evil human organization, Orcus, is trying to make, like, an anti-mutant religion. And so they're, like, indoctrinating priests. And that's what they're doing. So Pixie uses her, like, hypnotizing dust to go, like, you worship me now. I'm I'm your saint. I'm your saintess, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're going like, oh, your beauty's unimaginable, all that kind of stuff. And everything, and then, like, eventually, they go like, all right, we need to figure out how to tackle this situation because armed guards are coming. And Pixie goes, oh, I know how to stop this. We'll scare them to death. And so she walks up to a guard and goes like, hi, I'm Pixie. The guard with a gun just goes, bang, right into her head, blood splatter. All the, the anti-mutant priests are still under hypnotic, hypnotic thrall. Go like, oh my god. And are scared to death. Their god just died. And they're freaking the fuck out. And Nightcrawler is just like pale. Going like, what the fuck are we doing? This is madness. <laughs> what the fuck? And all the while. Poor Kurt. Professor X. Xavier is having nightmares and the first person he contacts with his psychic powers is like hey nightcrawler have you been figuring out the morality thing yet because i'm i'm having nightmare he's not saying this but basically i'm having nightmares and i'd like to not feel bad about some of the shit we're doing can we hey uh, hey nightcrawler you wouldn't happen to have any more of that uh lying to myself about a higher power to feel better. Would you have some of that lying around? No, not yet, Professor. And it was never about lying to myself. You've just made me feel very uncomfortable. I'm hanging up now. Sorry, I'm a recovering edgelord atheist. Yeah. But basically, Nightcrawler's moping on Krakoa going like, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, because realistically, we can't die. We will come back. We have that process. We That's fine. That's understandable. I agree with that. Fuck death. To an extent. But also, that makes us cavalier with life. It makes us not treat life as precious because we can just come back. And if we do come back, is our soul coming back to us? Is it just a figment of us? Am I just a figment of Kurt? what Kurt was? Am I Kurt? And he's going through the whole existential dread. All the while... This woman, who is, like, long and gangly and a cloak, goes like, I'm lost. Can you help me? And Kurt's not, Kurt goes like, oh, yeah, no. Go over there, and they can help you out. They, they'll they'll tell you where you need to go. And she goes like, no, I'm lost. Can you help me? And it's like, go to this place. Everything will be fine. And Nightcrawl is just trying to figure it out. He talks to Cyclops. He gets some, he gets some Cyclops leader advice. And he's just trying to figure, go through the whole thing. And he walks across the the crucible now the crucible is basically a gladiator arena where a super powerful mutant 
does armed combat against a depowered mutant from the No More Mutants end day, okay? To basically go down fighting with honor, essentially, to die and come back to life as a full mutant. And Nightcrawler... Quick question comes- about that. Yes. Is that like a thing the depowered and the powered mutant agree upon? Is it yes. assigned or is it like a, a jury duty type thing? It is an agreed upon statement, and when it, because originally it was Apocalypse doing it. Apocalypse was doing the fighting, and it was basically like Apocalypse was doing it because you have to agree to do it because that shows strength in being a mutant that you are willing to put your life on the line to regain your mutant dumb. Hmm. And he was like, "Yeah, no, because being human sucks. Being humans blows. So." But you need, but you can't just like kill yourself because that's kind of cowardly. You need to fucking put your life on the line. You need to prove that you want to be a mutant. You have to die with honor. Yeah, exactly. So Nightcrawler shows up and he's a, and he's like squeaked out about this because like I don't know about this guy. It's kind of weird, but like I get the sentiment. It's 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 weird though. And he noted he comes up on the scene and Magneto is fighting. The long woman, the, the woman who was going like I'm lost, and she's brutal, beaten, brutal, beaten, battered, bruised, and she's on the edge of the arena where Nightcrawler is, and goes, "Why didn't you help me? They said you were the kindly one. I wanted you to do this to put me out of my misery so I can be normal. I am lost." And Magneto just goes like, kills her. So now Magneto and Nightcrawler are in the resurrection chamber. They're waiting for her to be reborn. And Magneto's basically going on his field of like, yeah, no, they're trying to die with honor. It's respectable in a way. And Nightcrawler's going like, yeah, but like killing's weird, bro. You know, that whole thing. And she's reborn and she has her mutant power again, which is um, uh, basically a a dampening of gravitational pull where she uh, in her localized area, you know. That's why she's long, because uh, gravity didn't have uh, as much effect on her bones growing up. Makes sense. And everybody's going like, oh, hey, welcome back. Welcome to Krakoa. And Magneto's like, in the middle of the spiel, he's like, you are a mutant born of this. And he pukes his guts out because the gravitational pull fucked with his inner ear. So everybody starts puking their guts out. And she goes like. Oh my god, I can't be anywhere. I and like and she just runs away going like I'm lost. I can't I don't belong. And she's mm. horrified. And and everybody goes like, "Oh man, we feel really bad. She just died, came back to life, and then everybody puked." It's like really fucked up. And then night and basically Xavier goes like, "Hey, Nightcrawler, you're the person I believe would be best at this." Um can you can you go deal with my son? You know, Legion, and that's oh, where the issue ends. Fuck, Nightcrawler in a graveyard, Legion over the grave, going like, "Oh hey, how's that mutant religion coming?" <laughs> so basically, this is a book going like, "Oh hey, everybody who called this weird and creepy, we know that's kind of the point." Here's a book about it. That's that's good. That's that's pretty good shit. And it's it's a Nightcrawler starting book, so it's it's just fucking dope. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it, I read any other comic. I, I just remember the two X books I read. Real quick, if I could get a little distinguished, uh, 
Have you seen the uh, the recent announcements regarding uh, DC books? No. What happened? Tom Taylor is going to be writing a John Kent Superman book. Ooh. Picking up um a uh, uh Clark. I I, I for, I, that was the one name of his I couldn't remember. Uh, Clark is going to be still doing Superman things over in Action Comics, but the main Superman book is going to be John Kent starting to take on the mantle going forward after a uh, future state. I believe their new status quo thing is Infinite Frontier. And in that, you're going to have an Action Comics. I forget who's writing Action Comics, but Action Comics is going to be sort of aging up Clark and letting him start to wind down. And then there's going to be a side story mini thing written by Grant Morrison of him having to team up with the elite. No, the authority. Um, Oh, yeah, the authority. That's right. It's because they fucking that stupid movie uh, adaptation of it. Superman versus the elite always makes me think that's what their name is. But that's what they are. The elite is a parody of the authority. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, and then there's, of course, Tom King's Supergirl, which starts either June or July. I forget which one. Um, And then uh, starting around that same time will be Tom Taylor on Superman john kent and that's that it's a really exciting time to be a fan of the superman family yeah but i like kid john i liked him too and we had our fun with him and now we've moved on the big boy john and now that bendis doesn't have his hands on him anymore we can get some good big boy john story yeah but there are so many stories you could tell you could have told with kid john it's fair yeah but i think that's kind of it for like what we did during the Mm-hmm. Unless you got anything else comic book wise you want, you want to spice up the conversation with? Not not really. I don't think. Well, we're at the end of an MCU show, and it's not going to be it's going to be a good like month and a half till the next one. So the question is, what are we going to do in this in this little span of time? Well, we came to a conclusion that well, let's explore other adaptations of Marvel properties. Yeah, we've got about a month. And and there's a nice little term that Disney Plus has established for non-MCU Marvel stuff. So what we're going to do is a little thing, No Prize Podcast Legacy Edition, where yeah. we just go through a bunch of uh, little bits and bobs that we want to talk about. And we'll announce more of them in the next episode. But the first one we're going to talk about is a little project that it has me excited. I've always wanted to like read it, but I've never had a reason to. Same. <laughs> This is Stanley and Mobius Silver Surfer Parabell. It's a two-issue mini. Uh, I don't know if it's its own book. It might have just been like in a, a, a story from a book that they took over for two issues. But like, um, do not seek the trades out for this because the, the trades are either out of print or stupid overpriced because they have a bunch of extras and stuff in them. Um, but if you can find this online, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you find somewhere to read it online, go and seek this out because this is a widely revealed, revered, classic kind of evergreen Marvel story that people always recommend. And the two of us have never checked out. And we're going to check it out for the first time sometime in the next week. And we'll be back next week to talk about it. And I'm excited yeah. to do that. We'll talk about it then. And we'll also say what the uh, couple of uh, the next couple things we're going to talk about after that are. Uh, yeah. 
And we're going to continue talking about the the toys that happened, the toy news, the DC stuff, uh, Marvel comics that I've read, Marvel comics that Vax skims through. I mean, I it's going to be a rainy day tomorrow, and I've got free trades. <laughs> you're gonna get. You're gonna go far in the do- into the dawn. Yeah, and Hawkeye. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna hit those free real quick, and then I got a. I got a little indoors side project I need to take care of this weekend, so that'll that'll probably be tomorrow for me. But yeah, this has been the No Prize Podcast. V Dog, tell the people where you're from. We didn't do that in MWP this week. It's fine. It's fine. People know. People know by this point that I am. The Vacuuminator, and I'm a YouTuber who makes vlogs, toy reviews, and media analysis. However, I'm not currently making those things. I'm on a bit of a hiatus from solo projects. However, if you want to check out my extensive backlog of those things, you can do so by going to youtube.com slash the vacuuminator, which is T-A-C-V uh oh no T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. We're recording pretty late, so I'm a little off on that. I'm usually able to rapid fire it. But I'm also on Twitter, at The Vacuuminator, and Instagram, The Underscore Vacuuminator. So if you want to check out any of those links, please do. All right, then. Hey, howdy, howdy. I am Chris Boinger Rider Gaston. I make video essays and editorials. You can check out my stuff at the channel, Boingo Rider. Link to that is in the description, as well as links to my Twitter profile, Boingo Underscore Rider, and my Instagram profile, Boingo Underscore Rider, as well as my Discord server. We, uh... Join up, we talk about toys, we talk about comics, we talk about shit, we talk about posts, we talk about aesthetic. I love the aesthetic board we have, just because I just post a bunch of shit, back post a bunch of shit. Uh, Occasionally Buster, one of the other people will post a thing. Miriam uh, from Buster Core, uh, you might you might have seen their videos around. Uh, they post some shit. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just a general, like, it's the water cooler, while, while this is the board meeting where we're at right now. Yeah. You know, we should... We should have Miriam do like a pre-recorded Invincible segment once that show wraps up. That'd, That'd be fun. fun. I mean, have neat. like a have like a Miriam call in because Miriam's gotten really into Invincible since the Amazon show started. I'm good. That's good. Invincible's a great fucking comic and great fucking like superhero shit. Mm-hmm. It's good shit. Yeah. But that was Modular Media's No Price Podcast. Remember, you can always like comment and subscribe on the video on YouTube. And if you're listening on to this on a podcast platform, such as Spotify or Apple uh, podcasts, you can always follow us and rate us. And as always tell other people about the podcast. If you think they'd be interested in it. Definitely. Uh, but it's late. It is currently two 30 in the morning and we got more comic stuff to deal with mm-hmm. till next week, where we talk about silver surfer parable parable. I think it's parable because it's parable. supposed to be like it's supposed to be like how the parables work in the Bible, from what I hear. Yeah, it's, it's late. My tongue is dry. I've got a bit of a headache. I just.